Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. Episode of the 2022 Dad Edition of See You Next Tuesday. Yeah. I'm Jesse. I'm Amanda. You in it. We in it. We're doing it. <laughs> <sighs> Where do we want to begin? There's so much that's happened, like, you, within the past 30 seconds. I know. If y'all could only be here for, like, the off the non-recorded stuff. I feel like... Y'all are kind of our friends, so we can kind of tell you. I, I just want them to be here and experience it firsthand, though. I know. It's true. Do you want to know how I um, establish super dominance at work? Um, Always. <laughs> this is amazing. So, this bitch at work. So, I've been parking in the same. It's my spot. Okay. Uh, you don't even have to tell me work parking spots. You, you don't fuck with them. Everybody knows. Everybody knows where everybody parks. And if you're like all of a sudden forgetful, come on. So whenever we get someone new, I have to retrain them. Right. And people will come in and they'll say, who parked in your spot today? And I'll go, I don't know, some new bitch that works back in whatever department. Mm-hmm. And I have to retrain them. And normally it involves... How do I say this um, politely? So Jeep doors, they don't have that situation every other car in America has where when you open it, it just stops. Like it it catches. It has like two different openings. Yeah. So Jeep doors don't have that. So if you just open it and let your and your hand slips off the handle, it just flies. And specifically the Jeep Wrangler is what we're talking about. We're not yeah. even like the Kingdom of the Liberty or anything like that. Oh no, like that. that's not a real Jeep. Oh, you're about to start a fight. Come at me. Because <laughs> the Wrangler drivers, no, we the Jeep drivers. <laughs> they know. If your hand just slips off the handle, it just goes. Especially on a windy day. Whoops. And if you're parked next to me and that should happen several days in a row, you just stop parking there Mm -hmm. because then you have several days worth of (laughs) dings. So what you're saying is it's a a hard-fought lesson, but it's learned quickly? Yes, that's what normally happens. Normally? Normally, but this bitch Uh-oh. parks so close to the other line that even if I park on the line, my door doesn't touch her car. Brilliant. So two days this week, see, she parks all the way through. Right. But two days this week, someone has parked in the spot behind it, so she can't pull all the way through. Uh-huh. And apparently, a homegirl doesn't know how to reverse into a spot. But as every Jeep driver knows how to do, we can reverse into parking spots like a champ. Mm-hmm. So you know what Mama's done? Established super dominance. <laughs> and I come to work, and I 
whip in there and I'm like bitch please don't play with me like I ain't gotta still park here because I can reverse up in this bitch <laughs> <laughs> like nobody's business so when she comes out to lunch to sit in her car she has to sit there for an hour staring at my car in my motherfucking spot <laughs> I still didn't get my spot back permanently, but those two days. <laughs> but the point is, you had two solid days of your parking spot back, and that's all that really matters. But I felt like I established super dom- dominance as I reversed into my spot because oh, that bitch don't know how to reverse into a spot. That's amazing. So this is how you've trained everybody to get the fuck out of your spot. <laughs> Yes, and it normally works, but I can't door ding her. Yeah, no. Let me tell you, when, and when they have dark colored cars, I'm like, Ooh. yeah, because your your Jeep is not dark colored, so uh-uh. it's like it leaves enough of a mark mm-hmm. to where they'll be like, wait, what? I mean, I know that they know that it's me, but ain't nobody got said anything. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Are you really gonna confront the person? That legitimately is dinging your car every single day? Willingly. Yes. You're like a loose cannon. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first, y'all. Loose cannon. I love it. I mean, it's one way for sure. I give zero fucks. Dude, there is something infuriating about that. Like, okay, I'm going to go one further. Bathroom stall. Oh, I used a, a yep. certain bathroom yep. stall. Exactly. See, you you had tip of your tongue. Exactly correct. I was going to tell you which one, and there's a reason why, and I was going to go through the whole thing, but then that was going to out who my employer was. Right, but it's a thing. It's a thing. We all have that one that we're like, this is the one, and here's we have the reason why. Like, high school, for instance, I was like, okay, this is the one I go to. It has enough space. It has enough toilet paper. Like, it was like a reason behind it, right? But see, same here's the work. thing. Everybody at my work used the same bathroom stall if you're in the know for the exact same reason. Oh, really? Yes. Is it flush capability? I can't go into okay, it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But it's a thing. Parking spots, bathroom stalls. Like, if you don't have, like, a sign seating at work, if it's, like, one of those open office type situations where you can sit wherever, I feel like people have their space. Like, they like to sit a certain place. Like, everybody, it's like a, it's a thing. It's a thing. When I used to use pre-COVID mm-hmm. PC, right. I had my spot in the break room. And Lord help you, if you sat in my spot at my lunchtime. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Lunch spot. Lord, God fucking help you. I would walk in that break room at my lunchtime, and if you were in my seat, I would make you move. Right. Yeah. I totally get that. I'm a fucking adult, and I would make you move out of my lunch seat. <laughs> yeah, I sit there. Hmm. Yeah. Or I would sit somewhere else, and I would, I would remind you at least eight times that you were in my fucking seat. Are you all of the mean girls in one? Mm-hmm. Yes. You like Gretchen Wieners and everything? Like the her dad invented the toaster turtle? Yes. Wow. Do you only wear pink on Wednesdays? Yes. And I only wear one hoop earring because I'm Gretchen Wieners 
and Regina George. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! It's October third. Like seriously, that's that's incredible. But there, to be fair, there you're not the only one. Absolutely, is a thing behind that. Absolutely, people don't like change. No, but also, yeah. No, they don't like change, but also like it's like comfortability at work too. Like you want to have that sense of like, okay, this is kind of my place. Especially, you know, work nowadays is just so. No, I don't. I eat in my car now. Yeah. The, the you also nap in your car, correct? Because I mean, let's be real. Yes. That I, is a game changer. You eat first pre-lunch and then you take your whole lunch break and take a nap. Oh my God, that is primo. Yes, so should I give them my work hack? Please. So you bring what I like to call a kindergarten lunch. Mm. It is a Uncrustable Mm. and a snack pack of chips. You know, the one you put in your kid's lunch? Yes. Because these two items can be eaten at your desk and it looks like you're just eating a snack. And then... You can go out to your car for your entire lunch hour and nap. There it is. And you don't have to waste any of that hour doing something silly like eating. Yeah. So you've already eaten. You get a little afternoon nap and then you go back to work. Truly, I don't know why they took naps away from us as children. Children hate naps. We love naps. Why don't we get the nap after lunch? Why do kids get the nap after lunch? That's that's stupid. Number one reason why I want to move to a European country. Oh, like the two-hour lunch break? Uh-huh. Mexico does it, too. But they also, Siesta? I'm all for it. They do, like, a two-hour lunch break, three-hour lunch break at 2 o'clock. Like, it's, like, 2 to 4 is lunch, and then they go back to work, and then they work until, like, 9 and then eat. You know what? Italy, with their yeah. long lunch and their pasta and their wine at lunch? Oh, hell yeah, dude. All for it. 100%. Also, that's my dream vacation. Italy? Mm-hmm. Daniel promises me he's going to take me there one day. He better. Mm, it's got to be when my kids get out of college. Wh- okay. Or at least the youngest. Uh, all of them? or At least when the youngest is out from underneath my roof. But I'm a little terrified that's never going to happen. Ooh. It could. You have met him. I have met him. We do call him Chucky. <laughs> yes, you do call your third Chucky. He looks like him. Well, the red hair doesn't help. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. The rest of the world has it unlocked. Long lunch break because work fucking sucks. Yes. We can all agree on that. Yes. Even if you love your job. Yes. And if you hate it even better, you should listen to our friends. Fuck my work life podcast. There it is little promo for you there hey baby <laughs> i do love them they're actually on break right now i'm oh, not quite sure when they're coming back for season three. Oh, okay but um go back and listen to the old episodes oh okay yeah i love them k and j okay oh, i'm gonna have to listen to them i mean but we're back we're here we're here listen to us we ain't got no breaks coming up that we know of we don't take breaks no we don't no we don't we just keep going and going we're like the energizer bunny oh my gosh do you remember those commercials fucking stupid they they were but they were fun oh lord talk about unlocking core memories there was like a christmas one with santa yeah you just tell us about your man okay (laughs) 
So as you all know, we're on man cunts, and I picked what I believe is one of the biggest man cunts to do as my first of our series, Mr. Israel Keys. Do you know anything about him? You know, the name's not ringing a bell, but I'm sure the story probably will. Well, let's just say, you know, if mansplaining and chain wallets were a person, this is who you would get. Love me a chain wallet. Mm. You'll you might think otherwise after this. <laughs> no, I love me a chain wallet because I don't want the banditos to hunt me down. Oh, so you can use it like as a weapon? I just don't want to dis anything that has to do with them at all. Oh, I'm just talking about like early 2000s boys that thought it was like super cool to have a chain wallet with flames on it and shit. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. So Israel Keys um, was born in Cove, Utah on January 7th. <gasps> oh, I know he's going to be great now. Mm-hmm. 1978 Utah. as the second child of 10. Oh, here we go. It's your theory. Here we go. Yep. To Heidi and John Jeffrey Keyes, a large Mormon family. Oh, I love me the Mormons. You're, we're already checking off many boxes for you. I know. It's incredible. I need to go get, I have my whoopee. I need to go get my stuffed Ellie. So I'm all cuddled up for this story. <laughs> you're right. Geared up for the story like, mm-hmm. a, like, like a good movie. You're all just like, Like Ooh. a child at bedtime. Right. So like another family we know of, he and his siblings were all homeschooled. And his parents didn't believe in government interference, modern medicine, or public schools. I'm sorry. Are you talking about the Duggars now? I don't know. Go check out our Patreon. Find out. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh-huh. When Israel was five years old in 1983, the family moved to a one-room cabin in Colville, Washington, after denouncing Mormonism. The cabin housed all 10 kids and parents and had no electricity or running water. Um, I mean, I'm here for the denouncing Mormonism. I'm not here for the um, shack in the woods. I don't get the one cabin thing. Uh, no electricity or running water? I mean, I get it if where, that's all you can afford. Where is CPS? But like 10 kids in a one bed, like that's... CPS, where are you at? Yeah. So I listened to a podcast about him and also shared a little bit more insight into this. His parents were kind of like always looking for spiritual answers Okay, so, and his mom really floated from, like, religion to religion or, like, ideology to ideology. Are you trying to make my head explode today? Yeah, I am. So, in this case, they started attending, when they were in Washington, two fundamentalist Christian churches, the Ark, and the Christian Israel Covenant Church. Oh, God. The second one practiced white supremacist Christian ideology. Oh, God. Oh, God. Do you see it? It just happened. Yeah. You have a migraine? No, my head exploded. Mm-hmm. So Israel described these teaching as Amish, in his words, and militia-like. Um, yeah, one would kind of expect that from a fundamentalist Christian white supremacist yes. ideology. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, militia, yes. Um, Amish, no. Exactly. That's not... No, that's not mm, Amish, sweetie. No. So he's basically being taught that 
other people are better than other people because of their skin tone and, and using a religion to back it up, which uh-huh, is uh-huh. yes, yes, phenomenal. Sure. Yeah, Jesus was not white. <sighs> exactly. Their family even became family friends with Chevy Kehoe. Oh, is that another name for um, Jabob Duggar? No, but um, he's a white supremacist who kidnapped, tortured, and killed William Mueller and his family and is serving three consecutive life sentences for it. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So if that gives you any indication of the members of this church and who they're associating with as I, a family. I mean, you're using church loosely, right? No, this is a church. This is like a church church. Like, are they literally a legit 501c3 church? I didn't go that far into it, but I would assume. And in or, our country, we have religious freedom, so they are allowed to... Are they like a Scientology church? This. Like, not a real church? Like a cult? Uh, Scientology, unfortunately, is categorized as a real church. Um, no, they're, they're a legitimate church. And from what I also understand... If we can go back to the Oklahoma setting bombing, which I'm sorry, everyone, for going back here if you were alive during it, um, that fucker and his whole entire cadre of white supremacists believe very similar things to these people. They are very, you know, Christian in quotes and believe in white supremacy and that the white people are the chosen race and all this bullshit like that. So, Unfortunately, this is a very prevalent thing in some Christian churches in America. It's gross. It's disgusting. Yes, Christian. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Christian, in quotes. So the family, I guess, at some point had enough of this faith and decided, fuck that ideology. I'm going to move on to another ideology. So they moved to Maupin, Maupin, M-A-U-P-I-N, sure, Oregon, and then across the country to Maine where they live near an Amish community. So I'm not sure if they joined the Amish. I doubt it. <laughs> Highly doubt it. And I doubt the Amish even were accepting of that type of well, situation. I But they moved near an Amish community okay. in so Maine. So I'm a little obsessed with Amish. And actually, um, I have a grandfather that was adopted from a Mennonite orphanage. Fun fact. Ah. <laughs> Long story. Um, I don't think Amish are um, racist. No, they are not. I don't think they really even care about your race, like, at all. So I'm pretty sure they would, like, these people are not their cup of tea. No. And also, I don't think that they're, like, like other churches. The Amish aren't exactly one of those. But the Amish wouldn't hate them either. No, I don't think they would hate them, but I don't think that... I don't think it's like, oh, I'm just going to go join the Amish. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you don't It's not just, like that. Yeah, no. No. I really want to go to Pennsylvania and, like, see an Amish community. Me too. I mean, I'm, I'm very fascinated by them. And not in, like, a look at those weird people way. But, no, no, like, no. a I want to know. I totally would not disrespect them and take no. pictures like some assholes do. No. It'd be more about, like, learning and understanding and seeing how they live and appreciating. Yes. And you know what amazes me? There's a big Amish community in Florida, too, I believe. Really? Uh-huh. Florida? I didn't know that. I thought it was just mainly up north, like yeah. Midwest to But north. I think it might be people that have, like, not really are still full Amish. I'm not quite sure. Interesting. Correct me if I'm wrong. I really am talking on my ass. <laughs> so Israel and his massive family, again, they're living in Maine. 
And during um, Israel's teenage years, he renounced Christianity altogether and then later claimed that he was interested in Satanism. This led to his father to stop, basically disown him. Well. And his mom and him still remained close throughout his life. Of course his dad did that. Why? Because people like that, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't surprise me at all. Do you make pick these stories just set me off? No, I the reason I picked the story is because he sets me off and I just he pisses me off to no end. I'm trying to like maintain and I don't know how long I can maintain. You probably won't be able to maintain much longer because it gets way worse. I've had gummy and champagne, but I've also <laughs> had a Dutch Brothers Rebel, so I don't know what's gonna take over my body at any point oh in time. My God. It's like you're full on frat boy like I, I guess vibes right now. <laughs> well, in, in my, that way, <laughs> in my defense, I was in a lot of pain when I woke up this morning. Hence the gummy to control my pain. But then I asked you for a rebel last night. Yes. And then I decided I would make a rebel mimosa. So I mixed the rebel with the champagne. Yes. And now I've got this situation that you're telling me about this man. And I'm about to lose my shit. You're like, I'm about to pop off. And I don't know if I do. Should I stop? Should we stop right here? No. Okay. Fuck no. Hell no. Because you know, when we hit that moment where you never know what's going to come out of my mouth is like the best. That's true. I think that's when you're living your best life. It's true. I actually, I love like poking the bear a little bit. (sighs) So everyone loves you for that. (laughs) Usually my few. So Israel's teenage years were formative because he started like most killers do, stealing. He would break into people's houses like his neighbors and steal guns. He used them to hunt, which again, he loved and said, quote, I've known since I was 14 that there were things that, that I thought were normal and that were okay that nobody else seemed to think were normal and okay. I mean, lots of people hunt. But he would, like, take people's guns and then just go shoot random animals and torture animals and shit. Okay. Yeah. So um, to add to the serial killer soup we're about to make, like I said, he tortured animals. And he would hunt and or torture, quote, anything with a heartbeat. He was also an avid true crime fan and really admired Bundy. He thought he was so cool and wanted to be like him. I'm a true crime fan, but I'm not a serial killer. No, because we realize we see the true that the people who commit these crimes are pieces of shit. Whereas well, yeah. he thought they were like super cool, like like Superman and Spider Man. They were his; those are his heroes. Oh, I mean, we call them cunts. So. Correct, because they are. They ain't yeah. shit. So um, he also thought Dennis Rader, aka BTK, was a quote wimp for apologizing for his crimes. He studied FBI profilers, and the, really the the vibe I get from him is that he thinks of himself as not only on par with those guys, but like smarter than them. Like uh, I could do better. Yeah, that's. Let me show you how I can do better. That's when you always make your mistake. Is when you think you're better than the other serial killers. Exactly. Oh, so, no, sweetie, believe it or not, Israel was actually in the army from '98 to 2001 in Fort Lewis. Fort Hood, Ooh. and Egypt. Oh, what year was he in Fort Hood? 98 to 2001. In and around that time. I'm just trying to think of, like, what murders happened here during that time. Right. Was that Orange Socks? Orange Socks was... 
Fuck, when was she? No, Orange Socks happened way before that. Yeah, but she's in the 90s. Do you know what happened a couple of years before 98? Mm. Yogurt shop. Yes. Yes. Are we sure he wasn't here in a yogurt shop? I am sure. I'm going to say that with caution because... Did we just... Did we just <laughs> solve it? Oh my God. If it's Israel Keys, I'm going to lose my shit. But I don't know. Let's go on and I'll let you keep APD. that in mind. APD. I, kn- I know members of APD. Keep it in mind. Put a pin in it. Let's get through. Let, and then let me know at the end. Amnesia's on my medical record. I need someone to take notes. I, I got you. Yogurt okay. shop. Um, many of his army friends said he was quiet. Oh, of course. Like of they course always they say that about these guys, right? Yes. But on the weekends, he would drink a fuck ton. And I don't mean like, like, oh, I got so shit faced. I'm talking like he would drink an entire handle of his, his favorite whiskey, which was wild turkey. Like, I'm talking, like, bottles, bottles of whiskey at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was honorably discharged in 2001 and only received one DUI while in the Army because, yeah, if you're drinking a handle on a one day and a handle a day, yeah, you're going (laughs) to eventually. Other than that, he had no criminal history. Um, He moved after the Army to um, Macaw Reservation in Nia Bay, Washington. Sorry for the pronunciation. Please let me know if that's wrong. Um, and I'm not really sure what drew him there. If I'm remembering correctly, he was like talking to a girl online and then moved there because uh, around 22 when he did move there, he started dating a woman who lived on the reservation. And in 2001, they had a daughter together. So I believe that that was what happened. He met her online. They mo- He moved there to Washington and then just lived in the area. Women. Yeah. Can we stop online dating? Well, not so much online dating, but um, don't get with fuckboys. Fuck them. Don't, don't, you're worth more than that. You're worth so much more than that. No. I'm, I say that because I'm scared for you because you don't know who's on the other side of that computer. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. This Israel guy. motherfucking keys. Exactly. So I also think the reason why he moved to a reservation specifically was because he liked the idea this is my opinion of being an outsider or like different or special because like he wasn't part of the reservation clearly. So he was like, Oh, I'm the, I'm the cool new guy in town kind of thing. You know, thinking all the women would stumble over themselves trying to get with him because he was the new guy on the block. Yes. That's, that's the air I'm getting. Gross. Yeah. Disgusting. Israel Keys was a big new metal fan. If you don't know what that is, we're talking Slipknot, Stained, Linkin Park. He also loved Insane Clown Posse. Shock of all shocks, he's an ICP fan. Okay. No offense. No. But Y'all. we know. Y'all. Come on. Y'all. There's a little bit of a thing that goes on with ICP. Unfortunately, there is a lot of toxicity in that community. Not to say there aren't good people in that community, because there are plenty of good people. Y'all. Stop with that mess. Yeah. Uh, again, like I said before, he drank heavily. We're ta- and he would drink also whole bottles of wine in a day and then also drink wild turkey. So he was like, we're talking like, what kind of drunk would you even call that? I don't even know. Like, it's it's just so beyond. It was like belligerent drunk. Like, where you're whiskey and wine? What? Are you trying to kill yourself? Like, what are you doing? I would be dead. Yeah, me too alcohol poisoning like how can you 
Just the idea of drinking an entire handle in a day just sounds exhausting. I would be dead. Exhausting. I know. I don't know how he'd live that long, honestly. I don't know. It's crazy. So, um, in 2007, he found another woman to date, this time in Alaska. And from what I understand, again, listening to another podcast, uh, he was like, he wasn't faithful or anything like that. And they weren't married to begin with, but still you have a kid with this girl, so don't be a total dick. But anyway, um, he was like always looking at side pieces and shit. He was just not a good person. He was a douchebag. He's a douchebag. So in 2007, he moved to Alaska to live with this woman he'd been talking to um, and started a construction business, Keys Construction, much like another famous serial killer that we know, Gacy, where he did general contractor work and handyman stuff. So, being a fan of murder for a while, gotta try out what he learned, right? Naturally. I mean, we all think we can get away with it when we know stuff. Of course. So, here's the hard part. We actually don't know how many people he killed. He had no profile to speak of in the types of victims he would target. It was more about, like, the planning, the opportunity, the act, and then he would be off to plan the next one. So, He didn't have an M.O.? No. There are three technical verified kills, but there's two that I'm going to talk about that are verified. The rest I was like, I don't want to, you know, speculate. So the Couriers and Samantha Koenig. June 2011, while traveling in the lower 48 states, he flew to Chicago, then drove to Vermont. I'm going to pause right there. You know how fucking far that is? I mean, it's probably less than driving across the state of Texas. But still, it's probably about the same amount of time. I mean, like, you, you fly to Chicago, and then you go all the way around all the lakes, go all the way over here to Vermont. I mean, that's a long drive. I mean, he was committed. Yes, he was. Um, so his idea was, oh, if I fly here, the cops will think I'm in Chicago, not Vermont, so then I'm going to yeah. rent a car. Yeah. Okay. So... What he wasn't thinking of, though, is this is now a federal crime because he is crossing state lines to kill people. You dumb shit. Keys broke into the older couple's home, Bill and Lorraine Couriers, and tied them up, subdued them, drove them to an abandoned farmhouse where he shot Bill, raped Lorraine, strangled her to death. Their bodies have never been found. The second one, more gruesome, so fair warning, was 18-year-old Samantha Koenig. So he's back in Alaska now um, and with his woman. He got the urge to kill there, which was weird for him. I'll explain more why later. Um, Samantha worked at a local coffee shop, and he saw her and realized, okay, this is the one. He kidnapped her on February 1st, 2012, took her debit card and other property, raped her, killed her, Hanged her body up in his shed like a deer to drain and store her there in the cold winter. Because he's thinking, okay, nobody can smell her. It's it's Alaska. She's going to be, it's cold, it's frozen, whatever. So knowing she would be there was on purpose. And knowing it was cold was on purpose because he had planned a family trip for two weeks that he was leaving on the next day. This motherfucker left the next day on a cruise out of the Gulf of Mexico with his family for two weeks. And her body 
is hanging in his shed at home. Fucking think about that. This dude has went on a cruise out here drinking, hanging out for two weeks. And I mean, a dead body is in his shed at he home. He kind of ensured nobody was going to find it. Yeah. But how fucking sick is that? Who does that? A psycho? Yeah. Seriously. So, but what he didn't think was, uh, it's cold. So cold that she was frozen solid when he got back. So he couldn't dispose of her. Correct. So instead he was like, shit, how am I going to do this? So he took her from the shed, sewed her eyes open with fishing line. Ugh. Put makeup on her and took a photo of her body with the Anchorage Daily News to get the date and sent the photo of her to her family asking for $30,000 in ransom. Please tell me they didn't believe it. She was thawed enough by then to then dismember her and throw her body into the Matanuska Lake. Her family deposited the $30,000 into her account per his instructions. Y'all, always call the police. Don't pay the ransom. Hoping she was alive still. And they did. Don't pay the ransom, y'all. Call the police. Yeah. He then used her debit card to withdraw the money and kept using the funds to travel to New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas. He done fucked up. Because as soon as... As they could, he he used that money to then fuel his travels to the lower 48 to then try to find more victims. Mm-hmm. And they started tracking him along the way because you're using a person's debit card that you just sent a ransom note to the family who, of course, called the cops. So then they're going to be tracking that fucking debit card you don't. Yeah. Like, how, the, how could they not? So he must have sensed that he was gonna get caught because right before he did he spent time with his sister and mom in texas which i guess they've moved from vermont to there now with a new whatever cult that they're following at this point um (gasps) were they part of the um davidian maybe who who knows this family is fucked up do you see how i'm like thinking of everything i could terrible thing in texas i can think of that i'm like (laughs) oh oh yogurt shop davidians branch davidians right exactly His sister, even at this meeting, tried to get him to convert back to Christianity, and a pastor was even there at this time. Was it David Koresh? (laughs) Keith said, quote, you don't know the depths of darkness that I've gone to. You don't know what I've done. So cops pulled him over in Texas because, again, they found him because of the debit card. And I don't know about you, I don't want to get pulled over by a cop in Texas, and I've lived here my whole life. I mean, if it's Williamson County, no. A lot of, I mean, a lot of counties. <gasps> Ooh, Vider. Vider. If I'm white, it's fine. Ooh. If you white, you fine. Even still, I'd be scared to get pulled over in Vider. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, just yes. no. Thank you. What if they, what if they don't, like, what if they look at you and they think, mm, what if you have a tan and they think that you're not white? I know. It's, it's gross. Like, the, the amount of racism in our police in general, but especially in Texas, is disgusting. Like, it's so gross. I have dark hair, so I could be mistaken. Right. It's just, ugh. But anyway, again, like I said, he fucked up. And he fucked up in the worst state to fuck up in. Texas, you don't fuck with our police here. We like to execute people, and I'm not going to say I hate that. Well, but when we execute all the time. 
no discretion. So what are you doing? So obviously they arrested him. They flew him back to um, Alaska to face the murder charges of Samantha, which he confessed to because guess what? They found her body. And from what I understand of the photo, it wasn't that convincing. He's not a makeup artist. He's an idiot. You know, at least he didn't do the whole Josh Duggar not guilty bullshit. Right. But they thought it was weird that he gave them this massive trail of breadcrumbs. And he said, quote, back when I was smart, I would have let them come to me. So what did he mean by this? In custody, Israel confessed to multiple murders beyond these just just these two and how he did them. If he did. Israel traveled to kill people. He thought this was the best way to avoid detection, which if he did kill more than two, it worked. He chose isolated areas like campgrounds, graveyards, parks, and like strangling or shooting people and literally a crime of opportunity. So it wasn't like he was choosing a person. It was more like this person just had to be visiting a grave. That one. He would choose that person. Or he's at a campground and he sees this guy setting up a tent. That one. You know, like, it was super random. He was getting froyo, and the shop was manned by only teenage girls. Possibly. No parents or children were one of his rules, allegedly, because he had a daughter. But, I'm sorry, Samantha was a child to the parents that you sent the ransom note to, and the couriers, I'm pretty sure, were parents and had children. So, you're full of shit. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm, but I have, like, morals, but I have, like, a... No, you don't. Oh, shut the fuck up. No, you don't. So he said he first attacked someone in 97 or 98 in Oregon where he kidnapped a teenage girl, raped her, and tried to murder her, but told her to leave instead. He said, quote, I wasn't violent enough. I made up my mind I was never going to let that happen again. So he was pissed at himself for not having the balls to go through with the murder. Yeah. Yeah. He claimed that he killed four people in Washington State between around 2001 and 2006 and one murder in New York State in 2009. The authorities are still trying to this day to link disappearances around that time frame to him using like flight logs whenever he was possibly in the area, rental car receipts, that kind of thing, and then lumping in disappearances in the area thinking, okay, well, maybe this was them, this was him. Deborah Feldman was a New Jersey woman who disappeared around this time, so they think that he might have had something to do with her disappearance. He said he killed less than a dozen people, and he relished the fact that he held all the cards in these interviews. Like, he wasn't one of those serial killers that's just like, oh, here, listen to me, listen to all these things I did. He's more like, I'm not going to tell. You have to get it out of me. Oh. He's one of those. Yes. And he only would like to... um, what did he have? Oh, tall, hot Americanos and peanut butter Snickers. That is what he requested for hours and hours and hours interviews. That's what he wanted from the investigators the entire time. He is a psychopath. Peanut butter Snickers? I mean, they sound delicious. No. What? Are you kidding? No. That sounds incredible. No, it doesn't. Plus an Americano? Pfft. Sign me up. I'm in. Are you about to murder me? <laughs> I It pisses me off that he likes what I like more than anything. It scares me. <laughs> Why doesn't peanut butter Snickers sound good to you? It just doesn't. But but Snickers has peanuts in it, doesn't it? Yes, but I like the caramel. 
Yeah, but it still have caramel, right? Ooh, caramel and peanut butter? Ugh. Delish. No. I'm out. What? I'm out. You wouldn't do a peanut butter caramel sandwich. No. They go together so well. You got the sweetness from the caramel, no. the richness, and no. you got the creaminess of the peanut butter. No. You're a sociopath. <laughs> Guess I am. <laughs> so he's one of those douchebags, though, that's like, um, well, you know, like, I could say, but I'm not gonna. You know, like, he loves the fact that he can hold something over someone's head. Yeah. It's ugh, so annoying. So the FBI agent told 48 Hours that they believe 11 is the total number of victims. Um, only the three people we talked about so far have been confirmed dead. So we don't really, we have no idea. Because he didn't confess to any more murders. In fact, he barely confessed, from what I understand, to the couriers. Let alone Samantha. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. It's speculated that he might have also killed a girl named Julie Harris in 96. They found her prosthetic feet in a month after she disappeared and her remains in 97. That is so fucking gross. Like, he literally found a victim because she was disabled and was like, ah, this one. What a dick. But what a dick. Play devil's advocate because it's what I do. Prosthetic feet? Maybe he didn't know she was disabled. No, I know. I know. And, and like, disabled people are like should be treated just like all the rest of us but doesn't mean that they yes, should be should murdered just. like <laughs> you know what i mean like we don't deserve to be murdered because we're disabled no I don't fuck like you that. <laughs> fuck you it's just like we don't deserve to be murdered like everyone else <laughs> fuck you amanda you deserve to be murdered like everyone else and Thank i'm you. gonna do it because i'm clearly a sociopath because i eat peanut butter yes. i would eat a peanut butter snickers okay where Thank do you, you even find a peanut butter snickers i've never heard of this until israel Probably my wagon bag right here. We'll go look and we'll see. Oh, we can see our new listener, the manager at my wagon bag. Wagon bag, for these those that don't know, um, is here in Texas and it's a um, a gas station store, convenience store. Convenience yeah. store. Mm-hmm. But it has like a little bit of everything. It's kind of great. Oh, you can get uh, cokes. You can get Red Bulls. You can get ramen noodles. You can get chips. You can get candy. Can you get more champagne for your mimosa? slash energy drink situation. I'm sure you can because you can get boxed wine there and nice. beer. Hell yeah. And the manager at mine, she listens to our podcast. Hey. Hi, manager. Hey, girl. You know who you are. Oh, shit. So I just think it's... Uh, they don't know, though, if Julie Harris was murdered by him. Whoever did it, fuck you. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Um, he was in the area around the time, 96, 97, but he didn't confess to killing her, of course. Other possible sus- or, um, victims are Susanna Stodden and Mary Cooper, a daughter and mother from Washington in 2006. Again, fucking gross. His plan, his grand plan, if everything went to plan, he never got caught, was to leave Alaska, keep traveling to find new victims, and build basically like a, a shack where he could house all these people to commit his crimes. Ew. Like a murder shack. Did he have a VW bus? Because in my head, he had a yellow VW bus. I don't fucking know what he drove. I know he drove a lot of rental cars. So. Ew. Imagine that next time you get in a rental car. Right. It could have been one of Israel Keys's. Ugh. Ew. Make sure you sanitize it. So here's the thing that makes Israel Keys so nefarious. His infamous kill kits. 
Oh, don't tell me about it. Have tell you, me. Have you heard of this? No. You may have. Don't tell me. This tell might me. ring a bell. He stocks like these, you know, like those hum, Home Depot buckets. Yes. With all <gasps> the items you would Are need. Are these the caches he buried around the country? Yes. Now, see, I knew I'd heard of them. Yep. This is him. He used him so like he would store it with like guns, ammo, chemicals, whatever he would need to kill someone. He would store it in a place, a random like isolated spot around the country, lit on. So he then he would dig it up whenever he wanted to kill someone and go use it. That way he didn't have to travel with that stuff. Correct. Which yes, is, I knew, I knew, I knew him. I knew him. Yep. Yep. He hid one two years before the 2011 murder of the couriers in a place right around like the corner from their house and then after he killed them with it he moved that kill kit to parishville new york which they then found this kill kit after his arrest there has been another one found i want to say in new mexico i found on reddit a user found it there and there's still more out there that people are on the lookout for so if you're on reddit you probably will see the latest news on these kill kits that he stored everywhere i want to know where he was december 6 1991 he would have been 91. He was born in 78. What would that be? I'm not doing math. <laughs> so, he no, he wasn't. He was too young. He was too young. Hold what on. Was he? Okay, let's do this. I'm going to... Here, you get a calculator out because now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. You're, so... Okay, you made me do math. I'm going to make you do some math. 78 to 91. Because if he did commit the yogurt shop murders... He was in high school, I can tell you that right now. Yeah, because the other thing is, is like, because he's a crime of opportunity kind of guy, he doesn't have like a MO, I could see how it could be him, but then he would have to mm, subdue like three girls. No, he was 13. Oh yeah, I know, it wouldn't be him. Damn. I wanted it to be him. I, I know. wanted to have just solved this mystery. The yogurt shop murders, I know, dude, it's crazy. So, here's the thought that... I was thinking about all this. So all these flights, all the rental cars, again, because he's literally flying and driving everywhere around the lower 48 from Alaska and buying guns and buying ammo and bought. How is he getting this money with a contractor business? It's not that successful either. Yes, Amanda. The cartel. Unfortunately, that is not the correct answer. The correct answer is he was a bank robber and a burglar. Oh, yeah. So murder wasn't enough. Yes, Amanda. That's boring. <laughs> he was also a bank robber. He bank robbed to fund his murders. This dude. Yeah. I would have loved it more if it was the cartel. <laughs> well, they probably would have taken him out because he's a tool. He robbed Community Bank in Tupper Lake, New York, some banks in Texas, again, what are you doing, and other unsubstantiated banks across the U.S. between 2001 and 2012. He also burgled a house in Texas and set it on fire, he admitted to that, as well as 20 to 30 others he claimed to have burgled. He used mainly cash when he was doing you know, his flights and rental cars and whatever else, and he would take the battery out of his phone to avoid detection, so when he got caught, it was actually him being lazy more than he had been in the past, because he was meticulous. But I will say this. He thinks he's more cleverer than everybody else. I got this on lock. I have these kill kits. I'm doing all these things. Fuck you. So, cleverer is not a word. Oh, I know. I just like ridiculous. 
It's just, it's just so stupid. Like, he's basically thinking, if I studied the, the crimes of Bundy and BTK enough, I will eventually be the most perfect, super awesome serial killer of all time. Like, uh, okay, dude. So during his confession, he stated that he wanted to be executed within a year because he didn't want to rot behind bars and because he didn't want his mom and daughter to suffer for his crimes. It'll make him rot. He also wanted to avoid publicity because of his daughter stating, quote, I want my kid to have a chance to grow up, you know. She's in a safe place now. She's not going to see any of this. I want her to have a chance to grow up and not have all this hanging over her head. Well, then maybe you shouldn't have done it. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have been a serial killer, dude. That's, I mean, sh- now it is. Now it's hanging over her head. Well, yes. Ridiculous. In 2012, at a hearing, he tried to escape by breaking his leg irons, but they subdued him with a taser. I mean, like, come on, dude. What are you doing? Before they held the trial, Israel Keyes committed suicide in his jail cell in Anchorage, Alaska on December 1st, 2012. He slit his wrist and strangled himself with a sheet while laying in his bed. They found him in his note the next morning. You ready for a portion of this uh, phenomenal suicide note? Oh, I know you're going to tell me anyways. Just do it. Where will you go, you clever little worm, if you bleed your host dry? Back in your ride, the night is still young. Streetlights push back the black, I neat rows. Off to the right, a graveyard appears. Lines of stones, bodies molder below. Turn away quick. Bob your head to the seat. As straight through that stop sign, you roll loaded truck with lights off slams into you broadside. Your flesh smashed as metal explodes. You may have been free. You loved living your lie. Fate had its own scheme, crushed like a bug. You still die. Soon, now, you'll join those ranks of dead, or your ashes the wind will soon blow. Family and friends will shed a few tears, pretend it's off to heaven you go. But the reality is, you were just bones and meat, and with your brain died also your soul. Send the dying to wait for their death in the comfort of retirement homes. Quietly, quickly, they say, it's for the best. It's best for you, so their fate you'll not know. Turn a blind eye back to the screen. Soak in your reality shows. Stand in front of your mirror and you preen in a plastic castle you call home. Land of the free, land of the lie, land of scheme, Americanize! Exclamation. Consume what you don't need. Stars you idolize. Pursue what you admit is a dream. Then it's American die. Get in your big car so you can get to work fast on roads made of dinosaur bones. Punch in on the clock and sit on your ass playing stupid ass games on your phone. Paper on your wall says you got smarts. The test that you took told you so. But you would still crawl like the vermin you are once your precious power grid's blown. Land of the free, land of the lie, land of the scheme. Americanize. And there's like a lot more. So he thought he was Edgar Allan Poe on top of being Ted Bundy? A hundred percent. He thought he was this fucking like super dark, like visceral, oh, like Jack man. the Ripper type dude. I can't even. Yeah. Wait, please stop. Do you see? Can you? I the can't. biggest douchebag on the planet. I, I can't with that. I know. I know. I know. It's like he didn't admit to any crimes. He 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 didn't say who else he killed. Because, of course, he wouldn't. He was literally like, 
has this critique of American society. I like what the fuck the fuck out of here. Like just come on, man. I mean, only his mom, his four sisters, and three brothers-in-laws were at his funeral, which I mean, kind of makes sense. This he didn't really help anybody along the way, dude. Like, so here's some interesting fun facts that oh. have happened since. Oh yes. In 2019, a body piercer from Bridge City, Texas. She identified herself, but I'm not going to. Just you could find the article. Um, she said she actually might have been stalked by him, stating, "I was visiting my grandfather's grave, and all of a sudden, I felt someone staring at me, and I realized I could be in trouble. I was kneeling in front of his grave, with my head down, mourning and crying, when my body went into full dangerous close by mode. I looked up to see a man running full sprint from the woods surrounding the cemetery, cemetery, and forced myself to get into my truck as quickly as possible." without the man getting too close to me. By the time I made it to my truck, he had gotten about 50 feet from me. I jumped in and locked the door. Hell yeah. Much to his apparent displeasure, he threw up his hands up in a huff like his favorite team had just lost a football game. I started the truck and started to drive out as fast as I could, but not before driving right past him. I didn't break eye eye contact for a second, and neither did he. So I got a really good look at his face. It was absolutely terrifying. But when I found out who he was years later, I couldn't believe it. I believe he had picked me to be his next victim, but I managed to have a lucky escape. So in summer 2016, she saw his mugshot in the news and she was like, shit, that's him. Oh, my God. Talk about shitting your pants. Talk about using your instincts. Kudos to her for going, fuck this ran to her truck, locked the doors, and also staring at him in the eyes? Yeah, I don't Ballsy. think that I would do that. No. I would just, no. <laughs> I would drive the fuck away and not look. Yeah, no. I'd be door ding a bitch, but I would yeah. not stare him down. <laughs> no, never. So in 2020, the FBI released his drawings of 11 skulls, because of course they are. He thinks this, he's some goth kid, I guess, and a pentagram, thinking that the 11 skulls were his total number of victims. We don't really know. Under one of the drawings was the words, we are one. So we really, quote, don't know the depths of darkness that he's gone to. We don't know what he's done. Because he's a psychopath. Yes. And I just want to say this. I am not going to give him the honor of being like oh he's so terrifying and awful and the kill kids he's so smart and clever no you're a piece of trash mm-hmm. i think it's sad that he killed himself yes but he couldn't he even stated himself that he wanted the easy way out execute me i don't want to have to suffer for the heinous crimes i committed against these people these innocent victims and he denied those victims their do their day in court. And I think that's fucking gross. I don't think it's sad he killed himself at all. Well, I mean, I'm glad he's off the planet. What I mean is like those those victims in the families will never know the answer. The like the families could have had some sort of peace. I mean, it's just awful. He literally left this huge wake of bodies and victims including his daughter i mean like that poor girl yes that's terrible but like him physically like him killing himself is not sad at all no he just didn't deserve to be on the repercussions of it yes yeah but yeah that is the heinous story of israel case good job thanks 
take us away from all of this because I mean the kill kits thing was something that I originally was like attracted to on Reddit because I was like what is this you know because then I was like oh that's actually pretty fucking smart because if you think about it you don't want that stuff in your car if you're traveling around and if you have a rental car you can't keep it in a car if your right, car is constantly right, changing right, right. so it makes sense but when they arrested him in Texas not only did he have fucking Samantha's debit card on him because he's an idiot but also apparently he did actually have quite a bit of incriminating evidence which they didn't say what it was but I would assume it's like you know maybe a gun or, or things that allude to the fact that he was yeah the killer yeah. you know enough to get him brought up on charges for her murder so he really aren't that smart dude I would really would love to see more of his kill kits being found, though. That is interesting to me. Well, I want them found so a child doesn't find them. Oh, for sure. The good news is he's, most of them are, from what I understand, in isolated places, so the likelihood is pretty low. Yeah. Like, I saw one that was literally buried under a rock. Like, it looked like New Mexico in, like, a desert. Yeah. So, yeah, hardly anyone's going to find it, but ugh, what a fucking douchebag. Are you ready? I don't know, am I? Because I'm really excited about this trophy dad. <laughs> really excited for my very first trophy dad. Ready? Yes. Okay, so my trophy dad, um, I'm going to keep him a secret for a little bit. Okay. But I'm going to start telling you about him. Okay. So he was born February 24th, 1980 in a small town in East Texas. And um, he has three children. <laughs> hmm. Who are we talking about? He has um, twins named Tristan and Jordan, uh-huh. and then a younger son named Houston. Uh-huh. My very first trophy dad. It just seemed fitting that I did the pod hubby. Oh, I love it. Pod <laughs> hubby. How cute. So I did get their, all their permissions. Okay. And I was wondering why you weren't whipping out your computer. I was like, does she just know this person off the top of her head? That is so impressive. And now that makes more sense. <laughs> it makes so much more sense. <laughs> so I've been married to him for 20 years. 10 years. Got it. You're 29. 20 years. Great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I know some people are probably like, Oh, my God. Of course, you're going to think that your husband is a trophy dad. Okay. First of all, if you don't think your husband's a trophy dad, reevaluate your situation. Hmm. But I'm going to tell you why I think Daniel's a trophy dad. And by the end, you're going to think he's a trophy dad, too. So we had our twins very, very young. Let's see. I'm 42. They're 18. Do the math. Oh, God dang it. You're going to make me do math now. Turn about. Uh, people are screaming at their phones. Yeah, right you now. know what they're doing? They're screaming the fucking answer because we're <sighs> stupid. 24. Thank you. I was 24 when I had my children. I quit my full time job. Oh, wow. Because daycare, gas, yeah, all of that, I would have not brought home a paycheck. Yep. So I did actually work um for a family member during the day where i took them with us with me to work um so daniel got up and did nighttime feedings 
because I was with them all day at work. I didn't do a stay-at-home mom situation. I worked all day while taking care of them. So he did nighttime feedings with them. Wow. Um, and then that... And real quick, he worked all day too. Yes. So he, it wasn't he like he a, was not working during the day. Yes. Um, <laughs> that I do know. Not only 40 hours um, right. a week, a lot of overtime was involved. Yes. Um, and that lasted for a little while until it was just not a good situation. Um, and so then I stayed home. And I got a part-time job on weekends, waiting tables and bartending. And while I did that, he stayed home with the kids Mm -hmm. on the weekends. Um, A lot of times he would work during the day on Saturdays, sometimes Sundays, while I went to work at night. And not a lot of men would do these things. Mm -mm. Um, We have so many friends and family members, male, that never once fed a child, let alone changed a diaper. Right. Um, And then we had a third baby, because why not? (laughs) Year two wasn't enough. Your twins are five, so what does any normal person do? Throw a third one in the mix. Um, And before we had the third one, um, he would help put Tristan and Jordan to sleep at night. And with our got a little bit older, like, they wouldn't go to sleep by themselves. He would have to go in their bedrooms, lie down in between their bed because they shared a room, and he would lie, he would read them a book and lie in between their bed until they fell asleep at night. Mm. And then (laughs) we added a third one to the mix and we were outnumbered Mm -hmm. because that's a great idea, everyone. And he was... Just as good of a father with the third one as he was with the first two. Helped changing diapers. Helped always on the floor playing with them. Um, you know, by this time, we the Tristan and Jordan were older. We had like a Wii. And then Houston would want to play when he was like two. Two-year-olds can't play the Wii. So we would give him a re- remote. And Daniel would sit on the couch and play to where Houston thought he was the one playing the Wii bowling or whatever. Oh, that's so cute. You know, and, you know, he was always, he's, every single soccer game, every single dance recital, you know, these things weren't missed. Like, granted, there were sometimes he did have to work on Saturdays, but he would be at work. And then he would show up at the soccer fields. Like, he would have a company vehicle, and he would say, just to let you know, I'm going to leave work, and I'm going to drive this company truck to my son's soccer game. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to miss that because I'm working. Um, He's worked. There have been times he's worked 60, 70 hours in a week to take care of his family because I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, in the beginning, it was ridiculous for me to work. But... That was important to us, and he did what he had to do to help make that happen and to make the sacrifices for that to be the situation for us. Right. Um, Lots of men wouldn't do that. I actually know someone whose husband has said to her, if I have to work, you have to work. Whoa, honey. (laughs) 
so, you know, not, I know there are men out there that aren't willing to make those sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my heads tell my husband everything. And they're open and they're honest with them. And they tell him things that even I'm like, la, 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 la. I'm in the room. I don't want to hear this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my he would talk to my daughter about her period. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's always been present. He's always been there from day one. Like when the Tristan and Jordan, they were in the NICU for four weeks after they were born because they were preemies. I would be there all day during the day. He would go to work. When he got off work, he would go to the hospital and he would hold them and sit there with them. And, you know, um, same thing with Houston. He actually had to go back and go to the NICU for jaundice. And here's the one that called me and said, the nurses want me to ask you, is it okay if I bring Houston home today? Oh. (laughs) So, I mean, he's always been there and present in our kids' lives and... Feeding, diaper changing. I mean, he actually, I have a picture of him where Jordan and her friends dressed him up in everything (laughs) under the sun from her bedroom, from (laughs) fake clipping hair to dolls to makeup and everything else. Like... I don't know. To me, he is just the best father I could ever ask for for my children. So I decided it would only be fitting to make him my very first trophy dad. I love it. I fucking love it. And I will say this. He unlocked something that a lot of other men don't unlock. And that's realizing they're your children too. You bear just as much responsibility to help raise these children as your partner does. Like, and a lot of men, to your point of the person you know whose man said that to them, think, oh, that's the woman's job. My job isn't to actually help raise my children or get to know them at all. That's your job. So, like, the fact that he, like, leaned in and essentially was, like, supportive and understanding and a a real partner to help raise your children is huge and I think it's a it's something that a lot of people can learn from and he I agree he's a great like trophy dad 100% I mean there's he's never made a decision about the children without getting my opinion first right like even if it's just as simple as if they want to go to their friend's house he'll text me and be like hey is it okay if they go over to someone's I'm like why are you asking me this I don't I don't care and he's like well they're your kids too Exactly. And that's it. It's the fact that y'all are raising them together. And he, from the get, understood that. He understood the assignment, as they say. (laughs) I mean, so, like, well, I feel maybe it's a little bit cheesy, but I'm like, when I first was like, okay, who do I want my trophy dad to be? I was like, the very first one, I have to do the best one that I know. 100%. Because... I do. I know so many. I know so many men personally that have never changed a diaper, that never held a bottle in their hands, 
And I know so many women that when I say these things, they're like, he did what? Which is sad. And to me, I'm like, why? 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 Well, yeah, like, what do you mean he did that? Of course he did that. You know? He's my husband. We're raising children. That's what you do. So, you know, and also to make him my first trophy dad, I also want him to know how much I do love and appreciate all these things that he's done over the past 18 years. Yeah. So, because I know I don't say it enough. Mm. That's really sweet. I think this is a, a wonderful tribute. Will he listen to this episode? Will you make him listen to this episode? <laughs> listen to this episode. <laughs> I don't know. He's never listened. I think do you I think it's because he's like, hey, that's your thing. You know, enjoy your thing. I what th- do you think? Why he's never listened? Yeah. Well, true crime isn't his thing either. He's never listened because so our whole family has this thing where we like we tease each other a lot. That's our family love language. Mm-hmm. And I know if he teased me about it, I would get my feelings so hurt. Okay. And so gotcha. I told him, I'm like, you're not allowed to le- listen because you're going to make fun of it. Okay. And it's not him <laughs> making fun as in I'm making fun because it's stupid. I'm making fun because that's my love language. Right. You guys poke fun at each other. And even if... Knowing it would be in fun, you're still like I would I don't get wanna... I would get my feelings hurt. Right. I would cry because I would think he hated it and he thinks it's stupid, but he wouldn't. And so he's like, "Well, you've told me I'm not not allowed to listen." I'm like, "Well, you can listen if you're not going to make fun of it." Well, he's gonna have to listen to this one episode, maybe. And you know, he did ride the bicycle to the liquor store. Oh my god. Have we told that story? I think we have. We did because I forgot we told that story. And then um, Liz from Talking Shittature is listening to our back episodes. And she sent me a mess or she posted oh, on Twitter. She was like, Amanda's man is the best man ever. Real quick. Do you want to go through that story? Just so people can who are just now listening new listeners have context to what you just said because when you told me i fucking died laughing i'm like are you shitting me (laughs) so i needed margarita stuff because hello yes we all do and at the time the only other vehicles we had belonged i had a car my kids have a car my husband has a work vehicle and i believe all the cars were gone and he didn't think he had enough time um for me to come home and him to take my car and go to the liquor store before Jesse got here to record the podcast. And so he was like, shit, what am I going to do? He rode one of the kids' old bicycles in the garage to the liquor store <laughs> to get the ingredients for our margaritas. A grown ass man on a kid's bike riding to the liquor store. Like, it wasn't like a Spider-Man bike. It's like <laughs> a like a ten year old bike. It's it had still, it was orange. I believe it may have did it have flames on it. I don't know. There's a picture of it somewhere on our social <laughs> media from several months ago. So 
Could you imagine working at the liquor store and seeing this dude roll up Can on a bike? Can you imagine driving down the road, <laughs> seeing him driving back from the liquor store? This motherfucker. He, where did he put? How did he bring the liquor back? Did he put it on the on on the handles? I like, don't. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all. I would pay. I'd if pay that money. Al- if that alone didn't didn't earn him the trophy dad title. Seriously. Then here's the trophy. <laughs> I love that story so much. I just, oh, just the visual of it alone is, somebody has to have a photo somewhere. Somebody I, has to have I a know photo. somebody in this town has a photo of it. Has to. How do you not? How could you not take a photo of a man? A grown ass man. Exactly. On a bicycle. On a kid's bike. I'm picturing a box on the handlebars that he's holding with one hand and the other hand He's like struggling. Yeah, I, in my head, this is the best. And um, oh god, somebody in my town has a picture of it. <laughs> so if you're listening, and you know what town this is, send us that photo. It's an orange bicycle with a grown man with liquor. At, uh, in Twitter, c <laughs> c underscore podcast. Please, please send this to us. Honestly, phenomenal pick for Star Dad. Phenomenal pick. Trophy Dad. Trophy dad. Oh, I'm sorry. You're going to have to correct me because I'm I'm star mom brain still, but honestly phenomenal. So, I mean, that's my very first trophy dad. Well done. Thank you. I didn't even need to type it up. I started typing it up. I'm like, I feel like I'm writing a sixth grade assignment. <laughs> Tell us about your husband. Yeah. You remember that when you'd have to deal with mm-hmm. your family or whatever? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I can't type this up. I'm just going to have to talk from the heart. Aw, you had feelings. You just shared feelings and emotions. How do you feel? Yucky. Yeah, typical Gen X. <laughs> it feels so yucky right now. We may have to delete this entire episode and start over. Okay, sounds good. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank y'all for listening. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.